Your Royal Highnesses, Excellencies, distinguished speakers, and all of our honored guests. On behalf of the National Council on U.S.-Arab Relations and its Board of Directors, welcome to this, our 24th Annual Policymakers Conference. My name is David Bosch. I'm the Chairman of the Board, and I have a special pleasure in welcoming everyone here today. You're, we're really, really very pleased to see you. I'd like to first thank our partner, the Ronald Reagan uh, Building and its International Trade Center for making this prestigious venue available to us. I'd also like to thank the 50 leading corporations, the many embassies, uh, and all of the U.S. government agencies that have also helped to sponsor this conference, and the many distinguished speakers that have made it possible for us to put together a program like this. Um, behind me you can see the, the names of the companies and the institutions that have supported the Council on this, uh, on this conference. Each year uh, when I open this conference for the last several years, it seemed as though the situation in the Arab world was a lot worse than the year before. I don't think the conference itself was responsible for that, but uh, there definitely has not been any improvement. I think uh, last year, uh, well this year we have problems not only in Syria, Iraq, and Libya, but also we have a war going on in Yemen, and we have a refugee crisis of human displacement that's almost of epic uh, proportions, where people are trying to escape from danger in their hometowns and areas and uh, having to leave those areas and go either to outside their country within another Arab country or even to try and escape from the Arab world altogether and taking dangerous uh, trips across the Mediterranean or other overland to Europe. I think there we face the specter or the fear that the states that were set up after colonial times and that have maintained order uh, in the Middle East and prevented sectarian violence uh, for the last 60 or 70 years seem to be deteriorating, uh, maybe breaking down, and uh, that there, we could face the specter of even more uh, of this kind of sectarian violence and displacement of human beings with the tremendous human uh, cost involved in that. So I think Americans today seeing this situation in the Middle East are disturbed and they're wondering what could America do? What should it do? What should the role of the United States be in the Middle East? In the title of the conference U.S.-Arab relations at a crossroad, what path forward? And we're very fortunate today to have such a distinguished group of speakers that can address these very serious issues. But I would ask that you pay attention to what they say, ask questions. There are, on each table, there are these small three-by-five cards. You can write your questions on them, and people will come around if you raise your hand and take them to the podium. They'll try to answer your questions uh, in the Q&A section. And when I would ask respectfully that 
when our speakers do leave the podium and go outside, that you wait before you approach them, congratulate them, and start a conversation with them. Let them get outside the room so that the next group can get in and we can get started with the next session. So I would appreciate your help on that. At this point, I have the honor to introduce the founding president and CEO of the National Council, Dr. John Duke Anthony. Since forming the National Council in 1983, Dr. Anthony has taken something like 334 delegations of American university uh, professors, uh, congressmen, congressional staffers, federal and state leaders, military officers from the United States out to the Arab world where they get a chance to directly see the situation there, meet the people, talk to their counterparts, and build direct relationships, an invaluable program. He also has uh, written literally uh, hundreds of, of, of articles, papers, and published materials. He's taken, he's had scores of uh, briefings up on Capitol Hill, and of course he's organized now 24 of these conferences. But please take a look at his bio in, this, uh, in, the, in the booklet here. There's no way to adequately to, uh, summarize Dr. Anthony's uh, career and uniqueness. I think one of the things that I find unique in, in John uh, is that he's the only American that's been invited to all of the GCC heads of state meetings, summit meetings, uh, since 19, when they started in 1983. 81. He's also uh, the only American I know who's received a knightship from the King of Morocco. And it, I have now the great pleasure uh, to introduce the founding president and CEO of the National Council on U.S. Arab Relations, Dr. John Duke Anthony. Yeah. Thank you, David. Uh, David Bosch, in his characteristic uh, uh, self-effacement, made no reference uh, to himself or his uh, esteemed family. Uh, many people date America's special relationship with the uh, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia from the meeting on February 14, uh, 1945, between uh, then King Abdulaziz, known in the West as Ibn Saud, <coughs> with uh, then American President Franklin Delano Roosevelt and the great and bitter lakes of the Suez Canal. Uh, that's erroneous, and it's unfair, uh, incorrect to the history. Uh, of course, it became more special then, uh, but it was special before then. From the late 20s and the early 30s, his family and others were part of what is now termed medical diplomacy. And from Bahrain, once monthly, uh, American missionary doctors of the Arabian mission of the Reform, Dutch Reformed Church of America would come over to Saudi Arabia and they'd stay a week. 
and they would treat um, those who were ill and needed uh, medical health care services for free. They did this year after year after year after year after year. In the 20s, uh, two decades before the 1945 meeting, to the point where the word got around that this was being done and King Abdulaziz was alleged to have asked, who are these Americans? And the answer was that these are people who are in stark contrast to other powers that are colonial powers in the region that have come here for their own designs and to take something and to derive benefit for their economies and societies. And it was with this atmospheric receptivity and the propitiousness of the moment uh, that Standard of California, which became Chevron, one of our largest supporters, by the way, uh, was asked to sign the first American concession with de facto Minister of Finance, Abdullah Suleiman. And so um, that gives you better background, better context, better perspective um, uh, to view this uh, relationship uh, than the one that people often have of uh, it being a series of gas stations, not countries. Uh, uh, David Bosch's family was part of that uh, for nearly a quarter of a century, if not longer. His father was one of two medical doctors in the Sultanate of Oman, the entire country. That's all they had. And his mother was a school teacher of the Omani uh, youth, and which had less than a handful of, of schools. Uh, so it's that kind of a legacy that um, was before air conditioning, <coughs> and it was before oil uh, that has... Uh, <laughs> been a lubricant and um, part of the glue and adhesive of this relationship as much as what the media would, would imply or suggest. Now the National Council uh, is in the education business and I just tried to offer something in an educative, uh, edifying uh, uh, manner. Uh, uh, vision uh, is a firmer foundation for this relationship uh, than has ever existed, than exists now. No one needs to debate that, <clears throat> or it's likely to become unless enough good people on both sides work to make it happen. And we're the people we are. We're not enough good people, but we are the people we are. And we're trying to do the right thing at the right time for the right reasons in the right way with the right results um, as best we can. Uh, but we do so only in the context of the resources we have, uh, human resources, financial resources. This is true for every non-governmental, non-profit organization. This is a reason why we've left some pledge cards, I think, at tables or here and there. We've never done that before, but many conferences do that, so we're in that vein. Now, uh, David Bosch uh, grew up in Arabia, as did some of our staff. In fact, all of our staff come from one program that he didn't mention, but is our flagship program. And we have some uh, participants in it here. Uh, 
It's called the Model Arab League. It's just like the Model United Nations, only 22 countries instead of 193. And what are we trying to do to train a better generation of leaders than all of us older folks are who didn't have such an opportunity? What skills? The following. Uh, to train a young person to debate in 45 seconds. You may think that that's cruel and atrocious and unrealistic, but it is not unrealistic. This is actual, feasible, and practical. And to speak clearly, forcefully, and rapidly for effect, not just to speak per se. And to write clearly and rapidly, both under atrocious deadlines, Cruel deadlines, brutal deadlines, but that too is part of reality there. And to edit quickly and clearly and rapidly and effectively. And to learn parliamentary procedure. I don't know it, uh, but if I were in public affairs and wanted to be an elected or appointed office, I had better know it uh, because I would not be able to participate effectively. And so we train students in that. And also on how to draft resolutions. Again, it would take quite a task for me to do so. I know I could do so, but not with ease. But we train the youth to do it rapidly, effectively, and with ease in order to be successful more than those who don't participate in something like this. And we train them to work in committees. I was maybe 40 years old before I learned that real policy and this country is made in committees. Uh, the votes are only the ones that we see on television, and the committees are behind closed doors, too, and inaccessible most often uh, to the, the public as such. But how to work in a committee with 21 others, uh, boastful, arrogant, forceful, uh, argumentative, uh, mainly, exclusively, or cooperatively in a spirit of compromise and give and take and trying to listen carefully and willing to be changed by what one hears and learns from listening there. And so we train students in that as well as to work in coalitions. One can be the best representative of Lebanon or Morocco and have studied for months and know its positions with their eyes closed but be not effective at all unless they find 10 other delegations to stand with them, and not just any delegations. From the best of these, um, we have 36 scholarships that we provide annually to take these students to Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Oman, uh, with their faculty advisors from the Model Arab League. Those institutions that don't have faculty advisors do not participate in this, which is a shame. Uh, young people deserve to have education training and leadership development skills. So this is our flagship program. And uh, we are doing nothing more and nothing less than to try to fulfill our educational mission.